Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Uh, how many of you guys are enjoying our Cancel series so far? We're going to talk about some things that could technically get us canceled or me canceled for the most part, um, being the one with the mic. Um, and I know last week I talked about doing Second Timothy chapter 2, but I was torn between that verse and this verse. And so I felt like today God was saying, now I want you to share this verse today. So if you have your Bible lifted up, let me see it. All right, if it's on your phone, hey, it's important to read your Bible. Say these words after me. Say, this is my Bible. Say, speak to me, Bible. I believe God speaks through the word of God. If you want to hear what God's saying and you want to know his voice, how about you read what he's already said? So get in the word on a daily basis. I believe that that's how we find nutrients, spiritual nutrients in the word of God. So open up your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I know uh, this week I was kind of giving a little prelude today. We're going to be talking about politics. Everyone's like, oh, what's this going to be about? I think it's going to be a good message uh, to be able to share with you today. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to be reading out of my Bible. Uh, it should be fairly similar, but there might, might be some deviations in words, but uh, I'm going to read out of my Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. It says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom. Say kingdom. Oh, that was weak sauce, man. Say kingdom. kingdom. I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside the myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. I believe that God is going to speak to us today as we, talk, as we tackle um, what God says about politics today. And my hope is that you come here, just slightly, you leave here slightly offended. And uh, that's my goal. And just to share God's heart for government. But if you're taking notes in here, Something very practical, something very easy to write down. Write this down for the day's topic. Political parties and kingdom principles. Political parties and kingdom principles. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that as your church, that we would be men and women that do not aside to, do not set aside to myths or wanting to hear things that our itching ears want to hear, that we surround ourselves with just people that think like us, talk like us, are always like us, God. But I pray that as your church, we are called to be a light in the darkness. God, a city on a hill to not affiliate, God, with just things of this world, God, because we have a heavenly kingdom and you are our Lord and you are our King. So I pray as we leave here today, God, we will leave here with the kingdom mindset. God, I pray that you would speak through your word. I thank you that is sharper than a double-edged sword. And I pray that your word would speak to us today and that you would open our ears to hear, hear you, God. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here in Jesus' mighty name. And right now, church, just hold out your hands and say these words after me. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus today. 
I'm going to give a little bit of a prelude into, into today's topic uh, about God's heart for government and God's heart for politics. See, I'm here to discuss kingdom principles, not political beliefs. God forbid we ever get identified by the party we vote for rather than the God whom we serve. I'm going to come out swinging today. My hope is that regardless of what political side you are on, is that everyone leaves here a little bit offended. See, the Bible doesn't offer a political platform, but neither is it wholly indifferent to politics. As a church, we do not stand for political parties. We stand for biblical truths. It's been said in America that there is a stupid party and that there is an evil party. And every once in a while, they do something, they come together and do something really stupid and real evil, and they call it bipartisanship. That's a joke. You can laugh at it. We can have a little bit of fun here today. And depending on your political affiliation, you fill in the blank on who is dumb and who is evil. See, I'm here to tell you today that if your hope is in politics, you will always be left disappointed. And depending on who gets elected, either this year or in two years, we can be sure that we can rejoice in tomorrow because it is the day the Lord has made and we can rejoice and be glad in it. We can rejoice not because of who is in the White House, but because of who is on the throne. And I think many of you wish that Jesus was on the ballot box. But the reason why Jesus is not on the ballot box is because he is not interested in being your president. He is interested in being your king. Now, it is important for Christians to vote. It's absolutely necessary. If you don't vote, you need to go vote. Get registered. Go vote. Don't just sit on the side. Well, I don't like either one. Well, pick one. Do some research, read up on each and every single person, and vote. Don't just go off of what you see on social media or TV or some people, the last ad I see, that's the person I'm going to vote for. Now you're tallying every ad that you see. No, do your research, dive into it, find out what are their biblical beliefs, what are they supporting, what are they voting for, what are their moral values. Say that with me, moral values. See, the problem is putting our trust in the election or politics is that if we will let an election steal our peace. And if it steals our peace, we are giving away one of the most important and precious things that as a Christian, God has called us to carry. So I'm always going to carry hope and joy because as part of the kingdom of God and the kingdom community, I know that no matter where this world is going, I am going up. No matter where this world goes, we are going up. Sadly, though, many of us have overinvested into these systems and we have taken our eyes off the lamb and have put them on the elephant or the donkey. I want to give you four I will statements that I want you all to abide by as we dive into politics as we prelude into this. Four I will statements before we jump into today. Number one, I will not get offended. Say this with me. I will not get offended. The problem with being offended is that offense blocks us from receiving from God. Jesus said, blessed are you who are not offended because of me. Allowing a prideful and an arrogant I-know-it-all attitude creates walls in our hearts and blocks us from receiving. I'm aware today that not everyone thinks the way I think, nor has the same preferences I have. But I am willing and want you to, as well, to hear from the Bible and what it says about politics. I, number two, I will not exalt my political opinion or affiliation before my Christian obligation. I am not a Democrat. I am not a Republican. I am not a Libertarian. I'm not a Pentecostal charismatic. I'm not a preacher more than I am a Christian and Jesus follower first. 
And we allow these things to form us. Really what we communicate to the people around us is the altar that we worship at. Every other thing comes short to the primary thing, which is Jesus Christ. And many of us are more concerned with converting someone to our political opinion than we are to Jesus Christ. We should vote, yes, but our hope is not found in the ballot box. It is found in the Bible. Number three, I will receive this message in the heart and spirit that it is given. See, the difference between an orphan spirit and a spirit that has come through the Father through adoption as sons and daughters is God's in our ability to receive things in the spirit that they are given. So I will receive this message in the heart and the spirit that it is given. Anyone ever seen a dog that is just beaten, battered, and bruised? And you could try to go up and try to pet this dog, and that dog, no matter how loving you are, wants nothing to do with you because it cannot receive you in the spirit that you are giving. Can I tell you, many humans fall into that category where we've talked about these things time and time again, and therefore we cannot receive when a true spirit and a true heart is coming to minister to you or coming to help and we're, we're blocked off from receiving what God has for us. As sons and daughters of adoption, we are going to be grafted into the body of Christ and called to be like Christ. We have to receive from Christ. Many times, though, we are so amped up with our ideas and notions that we're one offense away from shutting down and canceling everyone in this church, everyone in this house, your own family members, your own, your own friends, your coworkers. And the mark of a maturity is the ability to receive things in the spirit of which they are given and not necessarily in the manner of which it is communicated. And number four, this is the most important one for everyone to abide by today, that I will, reject, I will redirect all angry emails and phone calls to the church up the street. As we dive in today, I want you to know that Christianity will survive without America but America as we know it will not survive without Christianity. Whether you believe it or not, America is founded on moral values that people can freely worship and freely associate without any trouble. Now this is not a democratic church, democrat church or republican church, this is a Christian church. Now politics are important, but are terrible at finding the meaning of life. For us, when we think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I hope you leave here today with the ability to lay down every other flag to follow him. I did not say that politics are not important, but if they are the most important thing in your life, then you have missed Jesus by a mile. Being a person of faith should impact how I vote. And as a church, if we are going to stand this year, that being the, the word for the year, to stand, then we will stand on biblical truths, not political parties. Now, society says that faith should not influence public life. And I want to share just briefly, not briefly, actually, it's a good chunk of the message, two lies that the church has bought into. Lie number one is the faith doesn't belong in the public square. Let me ask you, if faith doesn't impact your public life, then do you really have true faith? As a believer, I do not practice faith on a Sunday I am immersed in it every day of the week. Faith is not, faith is who we are every day of the week. But society has been plagued by Christians who only practice their faith 90 minutes per week and have diluted following Christ to a religious duty rather than a transformational moral belief. Therefore, we have an epidemic of Christianity that is told to stay in the four walls of the church, 
Because the people have not learned, the people have learned to isolate their own biblical convictions to the four walls of the church. True faith should impact your public life. Another lie I want to hit on today is only Christians are trying to impose their morality. I see it in the news. Well, as a Christian, you're just trying to impose your morality on other people. News flash for you. There is no such thing as a morally neutral person. Every person has a moral system. The only thing that makes us Christians unique is that our morality is grounded and rooted in Christianity, which follows the Bible. Many say you are trying to impose your morality on someone else when you vote a certain way. But what many fail to realize is that when you vote, you are not voting for a person, but for the morality of which that person believes. Now, not everybody is religious, but every person has a sense of morality that governs their life. Therefore, everyone imposes their morality. You are not voting for a person, you are voting for their morality. Their policy. Policy is more important than personality. Because even the best personalities seek their own beliefs. Many Christians try to find perfection on earth and seek it through human's means. If this person could just be in the White House, then we would be fine. And we think if we could just get our candidate in, then everything would be so much better. Hate to break it to you, but we cannot obtain utopia here on earth. And the spirit of the Antichrist is actually the ability to solve the, the pursuit to solve all of the problems of the world without God. It is Antichrist. So we're going to solve all the problems of the world without Christ, all the hate in the world without Christ, all the poverty, you name it, without Christ. That is the Antichrist spirit. But we also do not believe that we should abstain from politics, though because they are not perfect people. See, democracy is not perfect, it is a gift. But without biblically moral people, it will turn into a rule by mob. And the mob will eventually place a leader that will rule by their own belief. Mob rule decreases the IQ of people. Then people get caught up in movements and lose all sense of reasoning. We saw it happen these last two years, i.e., we're all in this together. I mean, how much of a divided symbolism was that just to say we're all in this together could spark arguments and several comments several hundred comments on Facebook and I want you to write this down today is that morality is defined by scripture therefore scripture teaches us how to be political let me say that again morality is defined by scripture therefore scripture teaches us how to be political well I don't go to that church they're a political church well Scripture is teaching us how to live, correct? And I want to establish this idea that all government is given by God for God for, to, for, to rest upon God. And I want to share with you just a brief scripture of Isaiah 9, verse 6. It says this, For to us a child is born. This is talking about Jesus Christ coming into the world. To us a son is giving, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. To have the government on his shoulders means that a government needs to follow the same morality that Jesus followed. So when people say that the church should not be political, all of what scripture is talking about is how people should live. And legislation is about how people should be treated in relations to other people and rules within society. 
This isn't a right or left issue. This is a Christian issue. I've heard people say, keep your faith out of politics and keep your Christianity resigned to the church, which is absolutely asinine. Going back to lie number one, that faith doesn't belong in the public square. They use a, ver they use a saying called separation of church and state. Now, I believe in separation of church and state, but separation of church and state was to keep the state out of the church, not the church out of the state. The lie number two is that the state should be secular. No moralist morality, religious morality involved in legislation. But all legislature is moral. And morals come from religion. Humans, though, are inherently evil. We know that because the Bible tells us that. So when you are voting, you are voting for someone who is not compartmentalized in their moral beliefs. That's something that is so crucial. That they hold their values and their morals actually lead the way that they live. We do not vote for someone based on their church attendance. We vote for them based on their moral beliefs. They do not say one thing and do another. That's what serial killers do. They do what they say they will do. They are who they say they are, and you can expect them to follow their moral compass. See, I think that we can all agree that if our politicians did not compartmentalize their beliefs with words that did not align with actions, that we'd be much better off. Wouldn't you agree? Now, if you're a politician or you want to be and you want to serve the people, that is a great thing to do. I'm not here to bash on politicians. I'm not here to discourage people from going into political sphere. Honestly, I think we need more people in the house of God. We need more people that believe in Jesus Christ to enter into this field. We need more Christians in the political system. And as you go, though, serve the people as a Christian, not necessarily as a party. If you're a voter, which we all should vote, then vote for people that have Christian values in action, not just words. So you can check their voting record. And that can be a determinant factor. Are they really following their beliefs or are they just saying it with their words and their actions are far from it? James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. Write this down today, and I want you to leave here with this, knowing that we are called to vote for what the Bible says, not the person that you like. Well, I'm voting for so-and-so because she's a woman, or I'm voting for so-and-so because he's a man, because he's white, black, Asian, whatever. I've heard that time and time again. Well, I'm voting for so-and-so because they promised to forgive student debt. Meanwhile, you were probably the one that agreed to get into that debt. Or I'm, I'm voting for someone because they offer free health care, less taxes, more taxes on others, except me. Can you see what ludicrous that the church has bought into? And this is what I really want to dive into today, is how the church has bought into a party and has forsaken Jesus. We have begun to play this game of politics and have defined our beliefs to a party or a person rather than as a Christian. And many of us have been over-invested into these systems and we have taken our eyes off the lamb and put them on the elephant or the donkey, or if you're a libertarian, a rhino. In an effort to conserve our morality, we have identified with politics, and we have fallen into the trap and played the game by the devil's rules. And I need you to know this today, that if you play the game by his rules, if you play the game by the world's rules, you will lose every single time. And now the vision between the two sides has grown greater and greater 
because the topic of discussions are no longer about tariffs, but about moral beliefs. Two world beliefs are colliding, and the church is being put into a box of this party or that party, and we are losing focus of the most quintessential thing that matters. So now things like abortion becomes a political alignment rather than a doctrine of scripture. Immigration becomes political rather than scriptural. Free speech becomes political rather than scriptural. Sexuality and marriage becomes political rather than scriptural. Racism becomes political rather than scriptural. Our education system has become political rather than scriptural. These are not political issues, but the devil would love to make it political. Can you see how the devil is seeking to get the church off track? To get us to identify with a party rather than a kingdom. In an effort to preserve our freedoms, we have lost our true identity. We have a morality conflict within the house of God. And instead of addressing the morality conflict, we set up camps as a Republican Christian, a Democratic Christian, and we should just be known as Christian. problem I see plaguing the church is that more people know about your political alignment than they do about your Jesus. Hate to break it to you, but I said most likely everyone will leave offended in here somehow, some way. Again, take this message in the spirit that is received, or it is given, not in received. Take this message in the way that you want to receive it. No. In the spirit that is given, and what I'm seeing is the church is getting grossly off track. Can I tell you today that Trump is not your savior? Can I also tell you that Biden is not your savior? I, can I tell you also, DeSantis running for president and becoming the next president of the United States is not your savior. The Democratic Party of JFK is not the party of today. And the Republican Party of Reagan is not the party of today. But what I've seen is that we have aligned ourselves with the party for our entire lives. And now what we are doing is we are finding ourselves as Christians, not as Christians, but as political affiliations. I believe that it is time for the church to snap out of it and return to a kingdom mindset rather than a political one. And I'm here to warn you today that many of you have created an idol of your party. You are not a party. You are a follower of Christ. And write this down today that Jesus is not your party affiliation. Joshua 5.13 says this. And we can try to say, Jesus is the Democratic Party. Jesus is the Republican Party. If you were really a Christian, you would do this way. You would vote that way. You would think like this and do like this. I've heard it said many times. And can I present to you the possibility that if you are saying that a person needs to vote a certain way in order to follow Jesus, you are missing Jesus and your God is too small. Now, this was a statement. When I, when I read this, I said, man, Holy Spirit, activate. Because I feel at times God is convicting me as a believer and a follower of Christ. To say that a moment a person is saved that they need to immediately vote this way is like saying the moment a person is saved, this is how they need to talk, this is how they need to think, this is where they need to go, this is what they need to drink, this is what they need to wear, and you now have put a law on top of something 
that Jesus has fulfilled. And so what I've seen happen is Christians immediately don't even go down to the person in the level of their journey and meet them where they at, but they stand at higher than thou saying, come up here. When I see a Jesus that stooped down, and I believe that as Christians, as believers, when we continue to divide sides and we say, well, now that you're a Christian, you now need to vote like this Republican party or vote for this candidate or this Democratic party and vote for this candidate. You have now taken your eyes off of Jesus and said, in order to be saved, you have to be like this. But what I found is that we start to follow an agenda now instead of the Bible. Well, what's that person believe? What's that person talk about? And we're looking more to Tucker Carlson or CNN to find our beliefs and our convictions rather than the word of God. Jesus is not your party affiliation. And we read this in, in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and said, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Are you for us or for our enemies? And you would think out of anyone, God would say, I'm for the people of Israel, correct? God would say, I'm for the people of Israel. You would think so, right? Which he does say that. He is for Israel. He has made a nation by his name, said, I will be your God and you will be my people. But right here, he catches these key words right here. Next verse. He says these words, neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Israel was technically a nation at that time, although they were wandering for 40 years. And he says, I have now come. I'm not for either party, but I have now come. Why did he come? God is not for your, your, your party. God is for morality and justice. He sent the people of Israel into the promised land for two things, to judge those wicked nations. He's like, I'm not for either side. I am for justice. I'm not for either side. I am for morality. And he also came to bring about his purpose on earth through a people to bring about Jesus Christ to redeem humanity. Now, if Jesus is not your party affiliation, then neither should you. God forbid if we ever get identified by our political party before we are identified by the God that which we serve. Now be careful about following the rally cries that you attach yourself to. Whether this party, that party, and then you take your eyes off the word of God. Please hear me today. That your political beliefs and what the devil has caused the church to do is to align our beliefs with the party rather than with the word of God. And if we marry the idol of this age, we will be widowed in the next. If we marry the idol of pay your fair share. And I tell you, Jesus didn't speak to political classes and social classes about paying their fair share. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. He does talk about giving to the temple and we see that with the rich man who gave a bunch and the widow who gave two mites. But he does not take a political side in regards to money, taxes. He takes sides in regard to kingdom principles. That say the winds may come and storms may rise. Even if you're paying taxes through the wazoo. 
hypothetically, let's say we get a 99% tax rate. Is God still your provider? But what we do is we die on the altar of the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. And when they're long dead and gone, and the church is being divided between two different parties when we should be focused on what the Bible says. Oh, well, you're a Republican Christian. You believe that. No, I'm a believer in the Word of God. Because the moment you side yourself with a political party, the moment you start saying, this is a political party that I'm aligning myself with all the time, you're aligning yourself with people that are infallible, that are fallible, rather than the Word of God, which is infallible. What I've seen that as believers, we have divorced our provider and we have gone the way of Gomer in the book of Hosea and have married an idol of covetousness and prosperity and called them politics to the detriment of losing our soul. We should vote yes, but we should not lose our hope and peace in Christ when politicians do things that are against the word of God. If you catch yourself complaining about your elected officials more than you celebrate the goodness of God, you need to repent of that. Because you are no longer being a light in the darkness. You're actually being a part of the problem. We should voice what is wrong and what is right. And we should vote in accordance with this word, not your candidate or party, but ultimately we trust God and we do not let the world rob us of our peace. Because even if things go bad, I know that God controls them. And I wanted to take this down a little bit of a different further and we're gonna go just a little bit further, but I wanna establish this. Just a few things that God talks about when it comes to kings and governments. Daniel 2.21 says that he changes times and seasons. He disposes kings and raises up others. What if the very time a president moves into the White House or a king takes a throne is actually the hand of God? And when we're cursing what is happening, God is using it to wake up a church because he has a bigger picture. Proverbs 21.1 says this, that the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. And I just wanna, I wanted to dive into a few different things, but I felt like God wanted me to, to land here and the idea where it comes to just trusting God. And I could talk about political beliefs, immigration, abortion, all of that. I'd love to have a conversation with you and pull up the Bible and talk about each and every single converse, each and every single scripture that, that points to what I believe. Because I do not make my beliefs based off of what I see on Fox News. I do not believe, I do not make my beliefs off what I see on on CNN or Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. I don't even hardly ever watch the use. People think, well, doesn't that make you ignorant? No, I think that makes me sane. I think it does. And I'm not saying for you to abstain from watching the news, but don't let it control your thinking. This word of God is meant to control your thinking. And many of you may not know this or not, but free speech is under attack. And just a few years ago, President Biden, which by the way, you should pray for your president. Don't ever criticize someone that you're not praying for. Don't, you don't even need to criticize someone. Stand for what's right, stand for what's wrong. Pray for your president. Do you pray for President Biden? Do you pray for Vice President Kamala Harris? 
Do you pray for your congressmen and women, your senators, the Supreme Court? Do you pray for those? If anything, we shouldn't be voting for a person or a political platform. We should be voting for the morality and who they would elect to the Supreme Court. Because every four years, that person's removed or has a chance to be removed. Supreme Court, they get appointed there for a lifetime. And here they are, they're not making laws for you, but for your kids' kids. So keep that in perspective next time you write a name in that ballot box or check mark that box. Who would this person nominate for the Supreme Court? And what I've seen happen is we no longer pick the best candidate. We pick someone that will follow my moral beliefs. That's what every single president has done. We don't pick the most qualified. We don't pick the, we, now we're looking, well, it has to be a woman. Well, now it has to be a black woman. Well, now it has to be a man. Now it has to be a black man. Now it has to be, when does it stop? And as a church, I'm not here to even talk about that. You want to hear what my stance on that, you should check it out. Last week we talked about racism. But when you vote, have that in the back of your head. Who would this person nominate to the Supreme Court? Just as, just as a part. But President Biden, he, he created a, a board known as the Disinformation Board. And it is to make sure free speech is protected and misinformation is silenced. And one of this, it can sound so great. Um, every law is great in a perfect world, but humans are fallible. And it could equate roughly to the Patriot Act that George Bush passed. I don't care. If you're a Republican in here, I don't even think that was a right law to pass. And I don't even think this one is a right law to pass. And the whole law is just to govern and make sure that people aren't spreading misinformation. But a lot of people are comparing this to the Ministry of Truth in George Orwell's book, 1984. And this is what I felt like God was really wanting me to get across to you today is... This may be some prophetic thing, maybe it's 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road, but I believe free space will be taken away. <clears throat> I believe it will. And I believe in order to try to control the church and what it can say is right and wrong, the government will threaten the church with the 501c3 status to say you can't take ta you can't be a nonprofit. And I want you to know that I'm okay with that. Because I will not let free speech and what the Bible says be taken away and let it limit us from speaking the truth. And some of you think, well, how could it go that far? I know, I know how the devil works and what he's trying to do, because when truth is silent, lies are rampant. But no matter what happens, I won't let it rob me of my peace. As a believer, I'm called to put my trust in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. He's my hope and my firm foundation. I know he'll never let me down. Because I know that Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. And when everything around me is shaken, I've never been more glad. I put my faith in Jesus because he has never let me down. He is faithful to, through generations. So why would he fail now? I tell you, he won't. There is no reason why the 13 colonies should have defeated the British Empire no reason unless God's hand was upon it. God raises up nations for his purpose and God can use any type of government, even a corrupt one. I feel led to share this with you. I don't have it on the screen, but I believe it's Hebrews 10, 34, around there. I would look through it, but it might take me a minute. 
it, it talks about how the believers, when they were persecuted, joyfully accepted the confiscation of their possessions and their property. I believe in America, we would lose our minds over that. But here it is in the Bible saying, you joyfully accepted it, knowing that there was a greater reward in heaven. I believe we should stand for truths, but I'm not gonna be a person that lives solely just for this world. And if I'm gonna have my property taken, it better not be for my political affiliation, it better be for the Christ in whom I'm following. And so we gotta be identified, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer in Christ. That is what we are called to be identified by. And I see in Matthew chapter 22, verse 15, this is a verse we briefly mentioned last week. When the Pharisees went out and laid plans to try to trap Jesus in his words, they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians and said, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, the word of God. You aren't swayed by political opinions because you pay no attention to who they are because he had a kingdom mindset. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Now put this into perspective. Jesus was crucified by the Roman government. He was paying taxes and his people were paying taxes to the very government that killed him, which brought about the greatest revival in human history. Matthew 10, 28 says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. You stand to your feet. See, what I think happened is the church has failed to even uh, address how we as Christians are to respond to political matters. And what I implore you to do is to check your heart say, have I made an affiliation with a party more than I have with the Word of God? You shouldn't say, well, we should vote this way because, or for this person because they're Republican. It should be along the lines of, we vote this way, this person supports this thing, and this is what the Word of God says about that thing. This is what the Word of God says about immigration. This is what the Word of God says about abortion. This is what the Word of God says about racism. And what I found is that the devil has intervened in these two parties and created a party of truth and a party of grace. And the church is trying to find, well, which one are we a part of? And I understand how tricky it is and how tricky it can be. And I can tell you that as a church, I am a resource, the leadership is a resource, and I pray that as we seek God together as a church, we would not be identified as a party, but we'd be more identified as a believer in who we follow. Amen. I wish I could go a lot more into this. You know, I was gonna go into Romans 13 and how we were to respond to that. By the way, just, just read about it. Rome, Paul's talking about submitting to a government that kills him and government authorities. Paul, who said all governing authorities, but then he was arrested for riots, rebellion, 
And he's saying this in the midst of all the Jews being kicked out of Italy under Emperor Claudius. So just take a moment to read through the, some of that stuff, but don't just take everything at its, what would be the word, just by seeing it, face value. Thank you, lovely wife. But let me take a moment, I'm gonna pray over you, and uh, we're going a little bit over, but let me pray over you, we'll go back into worship, and then uh, Pastor Tyler will come up and dismiss us this morning. So Father God, I pray for your church. God, I pray that we would not lose our identity, God, in a political party or a political platform. God, but I pray that as your church, in order for us to shine light like a city on a hill and shine bright, Father God, we have to reflect Jesus. We have to be a person that says, I believe this way, not because that's what that Republican says. God, I believe this way because this is what the Bible says. Not be identified by, this is what a Democrat believes. God, but no, this is what the Bible says. God, and I pray that we would be believers, God, that are marked by your word. Holy Spirit, convict us of sin. Holy Spirit, if there is any way inside of us that is not right with you, God, convict us of that. Can I tell you, church, that should always be our heart's cry, that if there's something that is not right within us, that we are submitted and repented to the Holy Spirit, that we can be transformed into the image of Jesus, that we would be kingdom people. God, have our mindsets on heaven, not on just this earth, God. That we'd be a voice for those that are afflicted. That we'd stand up for those that can't stand up for themselves. God, that we'd be men and women that stand up for life. God, that we'd be men and women that have all the convictions and truth. God, and political alignments, God, would be thwarted in Jesus' mighty name. God, make us like you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're not in it, I don't want it. If you said it, I believe it. Where you call me, I will follow. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.